1: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong
0: and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: From a judging political animals standpoint, you're just political skill. This Mm. Sununu character, every time I catch him on one of these talk shows, uh, he's pretty good. And he's thought to be running for president in 2024.
0: Yeah, he's one of those dudes who's very comfortable in his own skin. He's a very good communicator and comes off as a regular guy. Yeah. Uh, whether he's got the other
3: intangibles,
0: who knows?
3: Uh, but uh, he's, he's, a he's a go- an impressive guy. He's the governor of a state with 150 people in it, so I don't know if that uh, translates to much. But anyway, he was <laughs> he was on with Bill Maher on HBO Friday night, doing a little California bashing.
2: Why I live in California? Yeah, oh, there's a, some good a... things about this state. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh,
1: are you kidding I live really? in San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco. I, I, was, right. I was a San Francisco resident for three years. And I, what I was happened LA.
3: to you? I said, well, what did uh, they do to you? What was so awful? Oh, my God,
1: the education
2: system? <laughs> How did system, this the socialism ruin
3: your life? Oh, really? I'm oh asking. God, I would never bring my kids up in a in, Look, the, you have a government here. Walk I'm down the streets.
0: I'm asking what it
2: did to your life.
3: It's not my life. I'm okay. Walk down the streets of San Francisco. You tell me Gavin Newsom's policies, with the Democrats, are supposed to be yeah. all about social social issues. You tell me the Democrats are winning and taking care of the people of San Francisco? The okay. homeless crisis? We, homeless? So He has failed the people of this state. Okay. And it's a, humanitarian crisis you should but, be appalled but, by it but, but, well all right oh, i thought there was more than that we heard no response i am appalled
0: you're right you've, you've convinced me said Mar. Well, we don't get his response oh well what are you gonna do uh speaking of big cities <laughs> with democratic leadership
3: what are you gonna do is your answer it is interesting though is it not That if you take a city that's the most do your own thing, man, we'll bail you out no matter what your decisions are, man, sort of town, you got people pooping in the streets and lying in their own filth at higher numbers than anywhere else. How is that just not very simple, logical connection there? Well,
0: Jack is focused on the pooping and lying. I'm concentrating on the dying. You have people dropping dead in horrific numbers on the streets of San Francisco. You know, whatever, 20 times as many died from drug overdose as COVID. It's just, it's crazy. Michael, the next clips continue that conversation, or was that just... That was just it. Okay, all right. Anyway, uh, Mr. Sununu, Chris Sununu, giving Bill Maher the rough side of his tongue. And I enjoyed it, I, for one. Uh, So, uh, speaking of uh, cities with Democratic leadership, I found this remarkably... (sighs) Honest and... Uh, Full of meaning from the New York Times. It's an article about the Chicago mayoral race. Headline, Chicago mayoral hopeful who took on hard to fix schools faces a political shift. Paul Vallis is his name. He's long been a supporter of charter schools. He's running against Brandon Johnson, Johnson, an ex-teacher with a different approach. And I'm just going to read some of this to you. Keeping in mind that this is the vaunted New York Times, a piece written by, let's see, who wrote this uh, son of a gun? Mitch Smith and Matthew Rosenberg, uh, two of their more, uh, you know, uh, weighty and experienced writers. I don't mean they're fat. I mean, they're, they're, they're writing and That's thinking.
3: Good that You didn't just all of a sudden just decide to just call out the body shape of a, of a writer for some cool. reason.
0: Right. That'd be childish and and idiotic. Right. Right. Indeed. Uh, So to the article, Paul Vallis took control of Chicago public schools when the district was among the country's most troubled. He then went to Philadelphia to head up a teetering education system that the state had taken over. And after Hurricane Katrina washed away much of the New Orleans school district, he helped rebuild it. Mr. Vallis built a reputation as the educational emergency responder of the 90s and 2000s. Someone sought out for the most challenging jobs. When he got to a new city, he moved quickly and forcefully, clashing at times with school boards and labor groups that objected to the pace and scope of his change. And they go into a bit of detail about that. One of two Democrats in Chicago's. So anyway, this guy established a 20 year reputation as a hero who saved troubled school districts. One of two Democrats in Chicago's mayoral runoff election coming up tomorrow. Mr. Vallis highlights his record of improving facilities, keeping schools open more hours, and overhauling low-performing schools. He also forced out longtime educators, took a hard stance on student discipline, and greatly expanded the number of charter schools, policies that earned him fans and enemies wherever he went. Now, granted, this is my political bias, but so far, I love this guy. Love it. Here's the paragraph that really gets down to business. Mr. Vallis has put his education record at the center of his campaign for mayor of Chicago, arguing that the city needs that brand of crisis management to lower crime and improve schools. Yet he faces a changed political era in which teachers' unions have asserted their power, and many Democrats have grown skeptical of the idea of school choice, which Mr. Vallis supports and was once widely embraced by his party. The Democratic Party has gone from student-centered, supporting innovation, charter schools, and results to one that is bought and paid for by the teachers' union that serves the teachers' union. According to the New York Times, they didn't put it as bluntly as I did, but they mention it repeatedly in the article. Mm. He's going up against the teachers' unions. They won't let any change or innovation happen. He's competing against Brandon Johnson, county commissioner and former teacher who embodies the progressive critique of Mr. Vallis' education philosophy. Mr. Johnson, a paid organizer for the past 12 years with the Chicago Teachers Union, has called for sweeping new investments in neighborhood schools, and social programs. It means lots of money, of course. He wants to expand vocational programs. I have no problem with that. Add resources for students who do not speak English and avoid closing schools with low enrollments to keep union jobs. He's also been on the front lines of three work stoppages as his union clashed with two mayors and articulated a liberal vision for Chicago that extended well beyond the schools. That is going to be an interesting race to see unfold. I think it would be an incredibly rewarding race to watch unfold were it not for the awesome power and huge, huge deep pockets of the teachers' unions. If you just had those two visions, you know, uh, put forth side by side for the people of Chicago, right? I think it'd be an ass whooping. Right. I really do. And I just I get actually angry, like waving a placard, shouting in the streets, angry at the idea of these uh, on the take teachers union candidates and candidates. Cal Unicornia, where the show is based, is just rife with this stuff. But them duping the poor parents of poor children into thinking it is them that are the brave defenders of their little children. Right. Uh, It will help their future when, indeed, they're fighting anything, anything that could
3: help the little kids. It is painful to think about. Do they believe it? I always have the same question with everything. Do they actually believe they're doing the right thing by these kids? They can't. No, I think it's a blend of complete cynicism,
0: people who come to self serving conclusions just because that's what people do, Um, and then the true believers who are just soft heads. And there are plenty of those in the human race. You can convince, there are people you can convince of anything if you, you know, are forceful enough.
3: Right. I try to remember that all the time. Uh, David French, now columnist for the New York Times, is a lawyer. And, uh, He said on a podcast a couple of years ago and it really stuck in my head when he became a lawyer, because he's a very moral, honest person, and he was wondering about it's the question we all ask about lawyers. How do you defend bad people? How do you defend scumbags? I mean, you you know, everybody gets a defense in our system, but how do you do that? Do you stand there and make the best argument you can for somebody who, you know, raped and beat an old woman or whatever. And he said, it never ends up being a problem. You find some angle where you think your where your client was wronged, and you you hang your hat on that. He said, i i it just doesn't end up being a problem." You find a way to feel like your client got screwed somehow, and you fight for that. Wow, so, how interesting! So if that's the way our minds work, then yeah, these these teachers union bosses have somehow convinced themselves they actually are. Helping out the, the the downtrodden, even though there's all kinds of evidence pointing the other direction. And that reminds me, old Randy Weingarten
0: was out uh, saying loathsome things the other day, and maybe we'll get to that, but I want to finish this. There's just one more chunk. Uh, Mr. Vallis' embrace of school choice, including magnet schools, military-style academies, and charters, was a central part of the crisis playbook that he began developing when he ran Chicago schools in the late 90s. Back then, though, many liberals as well as conservatives saw charter schools as a way to improve struggling school districts like Chicago's. Charter schools, which are privately run, publicly funded, are popular in many low-income neighborhoods as alternatives to regular public schools. Teachers unions, though, have often bitterly fought the expansion of charter schools, most of which are not unionized. The unions contend the schools deprive the public school system of resources. Resources means money. They want more money. It's funny, I pointed out many times that uh, once, you know, once, twice a year, 60 Minutes or your other big news magazine shows will run an awe-inspiring story of some inner-city school, generally speaking, with mostly black kids in it, because that's the narrative they're looking for, and that's fine. Uh, But this awe-inspiring story of a school that is changing these kids' lives. That's making sure they're educated. That's taking the poorest kids who nobody's ever gotten through high school in their family, never mind gone to college, and is achieving these educational miracles. And in these liberal news shows, it's always a charismatic and forceful principal, headmaster, whatever, right. who insists on discipline. They're off in uniforms. It's always an innovative charter school and they take no excuses, they set the bar, I'm sorry, they set the bar high for the kids and they say every single day every, over and over again I believe in you, I believe you can achieve. They are a testament to a mostly conservative view of education and charter schools.
3: How many times have I seen that story on 60 minutes? Like once a year they do one and sometimes it's turned into a movie. And it's wonderful. And it's cool. It is great. Right. But what lessons don't get learned from it for some reason?
0: I tell you what. I'll give out my personal phone number. And y'all call me or text me the next time one of those major news magazines runs an awe-inspiring story about the teachers union took hold of this school. And instituted a program of doing things the way they always have, which turned the school around, and the beleaguered little kids who weren't learning a damn thing and were afraid of getting punched in the face suddenly started coming to school in droves and achieved and went to college because the teachers union won the day. Yeah, you call me at home, so I make sure I watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, if you run across a talking dog, okay? (laughs) One of those two things happens. Uh, Drop me a
3: text, would you? Well, the indictment announcement came out long enough ago that we now have some polling on it. It can hit you with some of the very latest numbers on that. The indictment of what? Of whom? What are you talking about? (laughs) Coming up, so stay here.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The Armstrong
1: and Getty Show. Trump has also been promoting a song called Justice for All, which features himself and a choir of men jailed for their roles in the January 6th attack. And I feel bad for the January 6th singers, because you know jail gets a lot worse once the other prisoners find out you're in an acapella group. <laughs> <laughs> thought, wow. That
3: was hilarious. Wow. Yeah, that's the, that's not the, that's not the vibe you want to have in prison. I sing in a men's a cappella group. Do you like barbershop? I love barbershop. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to talk about this here. So here's what we did Friday, my family. We were off while our nation was in crisis, and uh I took uh my boys to Universal Amusement Park in Los Angeles. Because of the new Nintendo exhibit, Nintendo World exhibit, they got that just opened a couple of weeks ago. And I don't recommend jumping in early when things are hot because the crowds get crazy. And it's funny, I was walking by all these empty parks. I remember when the Harry Potter thing was the hot thing. I remember when Jurassic Park decades ago was so hot you couldn't get in. And they were like five-minute waits. But Nintendo World was insane. You could pay extra to get in at 7 a.m. if you wanted to, to get in an hour before the park even opened. I thought that was too early. I'm not going to get up at 6 and make it over. But anyway, we got there and uh line was just absolutely insane and we waited for, for a, the Bowser's Mario Kart ride. We waited for two and a half hours in that one. Oh. Um, I would say as far as lines go, they did an amazing job of keeping it. it, it, You never stood still for a second and you made your way through the whole castle and you saw a bunch of different cool stuff. So it was still a long time to wait in line, but it was not like waiting in line normally is. And then, uh, we got done with the ride, which was super high tech VR sort of stuff. And, uh, my 11 year old said it was so worth the wait. And my 13 year old who's no longer impressed with anything said not worth the wait. But that's this way he is about everything <laughs> at this point in his teenager life. Sure. But you know why it's so freaking crowded? I was looking around. The, the, the amount of people, the percentage of people that were like 32-year-old dudes with their best friend dressed up in costume. Oh, boy. Not with kids or wives. Oh, boy. To go to the park. That's what makes it so busy. You got at least a third of the crowd is women and men, a lot of men, some women, who are, you know, late 20s, early 30s, childless, in costume, many, many, many of them, going to these things. And I was thinking, wow, when I was 30... I wouldn't have been able to find another 30-year-old guy who would have wanted to go to the Nintendo World with me and dress up in costume. And I guarantee you, when my dad was 30, with two kids and a home and a job, the idea of me and another guy are going to dress up in costume and go to the amusement park would have been, well, it just nobody was doing that.
0: We're going to dress up like Superman and go to the comic book convention.
3: Right. You would have been marked. With the kids? No, no, no. Me and Jim are going to go. Isn't that something? It's utterly unthinkable. What How a, does a society change that quickly, what, that much? What a culture change, not just for my dad's generation, but for mine. And uh, is that the Lego store yesterday with Henry? And Legos have been taken over. There's as many 35-year-old guys in there as there are 8-year-olds by far. Looking wow. at the latest Mandalorian stuff or whatever. All the store wars, Harry Potter stuff. It's all like three to nine hundred dollars for these Lego stuff. So that the childless, haven't grown up crowd is dominating a lot of entertainment right now. Wow, I you know I was aware of this, but I wasn't as
0: acutely aware of it as you are. Obviously, I don't, I don't go to Lego stores and I don't attend amusement parks very often. It would be at weird all. if you did, actually. Yeah, I kind of want to go to the Harry Potter thing, but eh. um. Wow, wow, wow. And we're going to fight China? <laughs> what a cultural change. Or are we going to challenge them to a game of Dungeons and Dragons, maybe, and beat them at
3: it? See if we can beat them at Donkey Kong, dressed in our Mario and Bowser outfits. You're going to have Marines
0: saying we're the turtles to throw at the Chinese? Is that
1: <laughs> going to happen? Armstrong and Getty.
0: The Armstrong
2: and Getty Show
1: Ron DeSantis said Florida officials would not help extradite Trump back to New York unless, of course, he agrees to take a busload of migrants with him. <laughs>
3: So that's a joke from Saturday Night Live, but on that topic, so Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, did say over the weekend, Florida officials will not help in the getting Donald Trump to New York. We will not participate. And uh, so Chris Christie was asked about that yesterday. Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, who's likely running for president. And, you know, he's got to get past DeSantis and Trump to get the nomination. Said, hey, who asked you? Nobody asked you if you're going to do it. It's not your role anyway. What the hell are you talking about? It was a stunt, more or less, for DeSantis to tweet that out because he has no role in that. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Stunt America. (laughs) Right, everything's a stunt. But I thought Chris Christie saying that, hey, who asked you? Nobody asked you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Speaking of DeSantis, so uh, a, a YouGov poll that has come out since the announcement of the indictment of Donald Trump And Trump surged to his largest ever lead over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. In the previous Yahoo News YouGov survey, which was just two weeks ago, Trump led DeSantis 47-39. So it was tied in February. Then it went to 47-39 two weeks ago. I have no idea why Trump went up and DeSantis went down. I don't know what's driving that. But post-news of the indictment, Trump is now up by an astounding 26 points. 57-31. Fifty-seven, thirty-one.
1: Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing.
3: That's a, it's a head-to-head. Head. If you put in the other 10 candidates that say they're running or thinking about running, Trump still ends up with a majority of 52 and, and wins handily. So does that mean anything at this point? I don't know. Uh, Trump raised nearly $5 million in just over 24 hours after the announcement, a quarter of the donors being first-time donors, which is really something.
0: I think there's a significant swath of America that just wants to know, uh, hey, progressive America, including the media, who do you hate the most right now, DeSantis uh, or Trump? Trump, that's my guy.
3: You know, you may be the person who's figured this out. Uh, the media was really hating on DeSantis there for a while. Mm-hmm. Kind of Chipping feeling like... Shipping the people in Martha's Vineyard and the rest of it. He's him. evil. He's worse than Trump. He's actually
0: worse than Trump. He tried to prevent... Teaching about slavery in Florida schools. Utterly, utterly fictitious.
3: You might be right there. And then so here is uh, some polling around the indictment itself. Just came out from CNN. 60% of people approve of the Trump indictment, but just 37% say Trump's actions were illegal. So I have no idea what that means. Three quarters of people say politics played a role in the indictment, which isn't good. Over half, 52%, say politics played a major role in the indictment. That's telling. Uh, I would agree. I would agree. So how this works politically, certainly four days in, five days in, it's been a benefit. Boy, financially it has. Five million bucks? Well, and the fact that three quarters of Americans believe politics played a role in the indictment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a win for Trump, no doubt about it. Yeah. I was I was troubled over the weekend. Uh, Chris Christie mentioned this yesterday on one of the shows. Lots of people have that Trump bad mouthing the judge and bad mouthing the prosecutor and all that stuff. You know, that's going to hurt you because you get in that courtroom and they're going to remember that. And I thought, really, is that the way justice works? If they heard you said something bad about you, they 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 look at things differently. Eh, I don't like that at a bit. Shouldn't be, mm. should it? I just
0: think that's a recognition that you're dealing with human beings. Wow, you should be able to be above that, shouldn't you? Maybe, and I should lose 20 pounds, but uh, what's your point? (laughs) Um, You know, I guess it's just having been a juror a couple of times and sat in uh, and observed a a handful of trials through the years, a pretty good handful, um, everybody painstakingly avoids annoying the judge, and it's not just out of professional decorum and respect, etc., um you don't want
3: the judge pissed off at you. Wow, that's interesting. You'd think as a judge you'd be above that, but you know, they know more about it than I do.
0: I don't know. I think it may be one of those things, maybe you're above it on your first hundred and seventy-five trials, but after that, you just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Don't don't come in here stirring that crap up, all right. Yeah, yeah. Motion denied. A hole. Well, Trump.
3: Um, Trump said over the weekend he didn't think he could get a fair trial with whoever the judge is. I forget his name. And uh, Trump's own lawyer uh, said on all the shows because he went on all those shows yesterday. Said no, I, I think the tr- the judge can give us a fair trial, and uh, I think he's an upstanding person who will look at the case and the facts. And so, Trump's own yeah. personal lawyer uh, was not joining in.
0: Yeah, I, I would not have brought this up if you didn't tee it up perfectly, but. Among the bits of unnecessary uh, coverage that I came across over the weekend was one explaining how his lawyers will desperately be trying to muzzle the defendant (laughs) and that they, uh, uh, well, good luck to them. But uh, that'll be entertaining. I just can't believe the world, particularly the media world, is dancing to uh, to Trump's tune again.
3: Yeah. Well, again, uh, to wrap this up, the two most exciting, the only two exciting things actually happening tomorrow, finding out what the indictment actually is, what are the actual charges, and then Trump is going to give a speech at Mar-a-Lago later in the day, and what he's willing to say, how far he's willing to go, that'll be entertaining.
0: Indeed. So, speaking of poll numbers, and, and getting back to the Chicago mayoral race... The the polling on a lot of quote unquote uh, Republican values in education uh, will shock you. What people actually believe—not political activists, but like voters and people and parents—after a quick word from our friends at uh, beloved sponsor My Pillow. What's the number one best-selling product at My Pillow? Pillows, not I assume. not the pillows, not the pillows. Uh, the My Slippers are the number one selling My Pillow product. They're fantastic. They're having a closeout sale right now, happening on their all-season slippers.
3: And when you use the promo code Getty, you'll get the all-season slippers for twenty-five bucks. If that sounds like a low price, it is because they're regularly one forty-nine ninety-eight. That's over one hundred and twenty dollars in savings. Limited to ten pairs at checkout. These will sell out. Trust us. Yeah, just a question of
0: when, so go to MyPillow.com as soon as you can. Remember that promo code Getty. But the my slippers have an exclusive four-layer design you won't find in more. any other slippers.
3: I like a seven-layer burrito and a four-layer
0: slipper. That's the way I, I am. I could not agree more strongly. The patented layers make these slippers ultra-comfortable and extremely durable. They're like a hybrid between a shoe and a slipper. Super comfy.
3: Ton of sizes and colors. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the Radio Listener Square to grab a pair of the all-season slippers for 25 bucks. regularly priced at one forty nine ninety eight. limited to 10 pairs at checkout. Enter promo code GETTY or call 800-666-1205 for this incredible offer. They won't last long. Order now. MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com.
0: The code is GETTY, G-E-T-T-Y. So anyway... Oh, so you got this uh, Paul Vallis character running against the, uh, the Johnson uh, super progressive teachers union uh, paid lackey in Chicago. We were talking about this earlier in the hour, and for time, I left some stuff out, but it, it, it fits in so well with, um, you know, the, the difference between what people actually believe, say, about the Trump indictment and the idea you would get from the media, you know. You look at America and you say, what do you think of this whole Trump thing? And vast majorities of people say, yeah, it's about politics. Okay, well, gosh, that's striking. Well, getting back to the Chicago mayoral thing in the schools, this uh, uh, Paul Vallis is a big hero in the school reform movement. And he was a ch- he was beloved by Democrats in the 90s. It was more a Clintonian Democrat, but he was turning around America's uh, urban schools in the cities and and getting a hell of a lot of credit for it. Um, and then they write in the New York Times. Um, uh, much of what Mr. Vallis has spent his career championing uh, tough disciplinary policies. The openness to charter schools has lost some of its bipartisan sheen. Uh, though Mr. Vallis is a Democrat, he's campaigned on tough-on-crime stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the political divide on charter schools is complicated, writes the New York Times. A national poll last year by Education Next, an academic journal, found that a majority of black people support charter schools. A majority of black people who vote in overwhelming numbers for Democrats like charter schools, while fewer than half of white people do. Wow. So your your woke, college educated crowd has swung so far left now. Black people are way more in favor of of school innovation and charter schools. Interesting. you would never guess that Mr. Vallis says this is not an issue of Republicans versus Democrats. It's about teachers unions which he say which he says have become quote more radicalized with power to shape democratic politics. the unions realized they were losing ground and I think it forced them to become much more political than they had been clearly absolutely clearly. I just thought that was so interesting about black people probably because you know certainly urban black people have seen... Or if they're young enough, they've heard about the successes of these reformers and the wonderful work they've done and the great results they've had for the kids. But your your youngish white voter is just whatever the Democratic Party says is right is right. And they don't even think about it. It's crazy. Politics is full of stupid. That is, you know, if, if you had to disclose the uh, the ingredients in politics like it's a cup of ramen, Number one ingredient, water, salt, noodles. If it was politics, it would be stupid. Stupid would be the number one ingredient by volume.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty clearly. Well, I think, I think it's about to get stupider, too, as we head down this road of. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I could
0: get to the stuff that what's her face, Randy Weingarten said, but I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk all day about this.
3: will the cable news channels particularly msnbc hammer on the trump indictment for the next nine months while nothing is happening i wonder because there's going to be nothing after tomorrow oh no no trading paperwork for months and months and months yeah story's just dead yeah
0: they will they will go to superhuman efforts to whip up interest and clickbait on this stuff but
3: yeah i'm glad we don't have to do that
0: no indeed controversy involving an anthropology professor who claimed that no you can't tell uh, male from female skeletons uh unless they you know how they uh, you know swung oh unless, really uh, unless you knew which uh, way they their gender identification No, i can't tell a male from a female skeleton and uh
3: people are saying uh yeah you can <laughs> yeah interesting <laughs> among other things on the way our text line is 415-295-KFTC <laughs>
1: The
0: Armstrong and Getty show.
3: Why is life expectancy so low now in the United States? Maybe we can talk about that in hour 4. What's going on there? Durr. All A
0: couple of stories we ought to squeeze in. The San Jose Police Union head has gotten charged with piles of drug crimes. San Jose Police Officers Association Executive Director Joanne Marion Segovia charged with allegedly importing synthetic opioids from overseas in the U.S. for distribution for years and years. At least 61 shipments of opioids and synthetic fentanyl among other things, uh, originating from Hong Kong, Hungary, India, Singapore.
3: Um, Money, the motivator here?
0: uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. The manifests for these shipments declared their contents with labels like wedding party favors, gift makeup, or chocolate and sweets. But between July 2019 and January 2023, officials intercepted and opened five of the shipments found that they contained thousands of pills of controlled substances, including the synthetic opioids Tramadol and Tepentadol. Certain parcels were valued at thousands of dollars worth of illegal drugs. Uh, At first, she tried to throw her housekeeper under the bus, and the feds are like, no, it wasn't your housekeeper. (laughs) We've been on to you for years. In fact, oddly enough, they'd interviewed her Uh, As part of an investigation into this sort of thing, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, she laid low for a few weeks and went back to it. She'd been doing it for how long? Uh, At least several years. She'd been the head of the police association since 2003. Wow. Uh, According to the charges, uh, did all this between 2015 and 2023.
3: You're a cynical person. You've just gone with the, well, it's going to get here anyway. Might as well be me making money off of it. View of the world, I guess. I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. Meanwhile, you're the police union head. Selling poison to people on the streets. Just crazy. And then this. I'm not sure we'll have much time to get into this, which is too bad. Maybe next hour. And if you don't get next hour, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty on Demand, wherever you like to get podcasts. But uh, John Jonathan Turley was writing about this. This uh, uh, University of Pittsburgh Uh, Professor who teaches in both anthropology and the law school was asked by swimmer Riley Gaines if he could tell the gender of persons from skeletal remains. Now, the significance of the person asking the question is that Gaines achieved national notoriety by opposing the inclusion of transgender athletes like University of Pennsylvania's Leah Thomas in women's competitions. Uh, so anyway, uh, Gaines, who is now persona non grata uh, in a lot of uh, academic circles, asked uh, this professor, Gabby Yearwood, uh, if you were to dig up two humans 100 years from now, one both man and woman, could you tell the difference from their bones? According to Fox uh, News, Yearwood answered no. And then the room erupted in laughter. Oh, really? As her students mocked her and guffawed. At what she'd said, she took umbrage about the laughter, reportedly reminded the students, I'm the expert in the room. Have any of you been to anthropological sites? Have any of you studied biological anthropology? I'm just saying I've got over 150 years of data. I'm curious as to why I'm being laughed at. I have a (laughs) PhD.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's my favorite sentence of all time. I'm curious as to why I'm being laughed at. I have a PhD. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Oh, 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 oh god, if you're being laughed at, you can you can go with a lot of different angles to deal with it. Being but being mad at them for laughing at you is not going to help. Well, Gaines, the swimmer, um
0: replied Every single rational person knows the answer. Men have narrower hips, their skulls are different, their femurs are longer, their jaws are different, etc. People have been identifying skeletons, uh, uh sex for ever. Um, blah, 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 blah. Then, well, no, no, mistakes can be made, blah, blah, blah. The point of view being that you cannot, oh, is this, uh, Where's that quote? There was one great quote.
3: Well, he's going Um, with the, we don't know what this caveman identified as a woman or a man, right?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to ask the cave person, Jack, misogynist. You'd have to ask the cave person what they identify as to know their sex, which is so idiotic. Did the damn thing have a uterus? It's a woman.
1: Sorry.
0: Maybe it was a really butch woman. Maybe it was a big old gal who could beat down the fellas. Ran that cave. You get a nice hunk of mammoth meat. She's first on it because she runs the place. As still a chick is the thing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Um, the controversy is part of a wider debate unfolding on our campuses, writes Early. University of Kansas associate professor Jennifer Raff argued in a paper, Origin, a Genetic History of the Americas, that there are no neat divisions between physically or genetically male or female individuals. Her best-selling book has been featured on various news outlets like MSNBC. Shocking. Uh, graduate students like Emmett Palladino have objected that, quote, archaeologists who find your bones one day will assign you the same gender as you had at birth. So regardless of whether you transition, you can't escape your assigned sex. That's actually correct. That's absolutely correct. I, uh, I agree with you. On the other hand, you have professors at Binghamton University and Jonathan Bethard at the University of South Florida who have also challenged the use of racial classifications in a study, objecting that, quote, Ancestry Estimation Contributes to White Supremacy, and the authors write that we use critical race theory to interrogate the approaches utilized to estimate ancestry to include a critique of the continued use of morphoscopic traits, and we assert that the practice of ancestry estimation contributes to white supremacy. One of the techniques these people use, if you read uh, 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 Lindsay and Pluckrose's Brilliant Cynical Theories, you'll know, one of the techniques they do is they throw so much jargon at you, you as a regular person think, I don't understand what the hell you're talking mm. about, so I can't really mount an argument against what you're saying.
3: Mm.
0: That's intentional, folks. It's intentional. They throw mumbo and or jumbo at you so aggressively you're befuddled by it. They know that.
3: Maybe you're befuddled by how many hours we do. every day. We do four hours of radio every single day. If you miss an hour, you can get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty
2: On Demand.
3: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumbaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VTW Group, no purchase
0: necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.